Hello everyone, Cecil Martin here. Hey, this is Hunter Henry. What's up, man? This is Max Crosby, part of Raider Nation. Hey, this is Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. Hey, it's Tyler Lockett of the Seattle Seahawks. Hey, this is Jerry Judah, wide receiver for the Denver Broncos, and you're listening to the 14-yard NFL podcast. Yeah, seven down, one to go. Our final division to look at as we preview the 2022-2023 NFL season. It's the AFC North up tonight. Let's welcome the boys in. Steve, how you doing, mate? Yeah, good. It is here. The season is here. It's upon us. We've got, what is it, four days, three days until the opening game, Thursday night football. How it feels like we've been waiting forever, as it always does, but the season's rolled around and we are days away from from football again. Yeah, you can guarantee, mate, we'll be sitting here in about 15 weeks' time saying, where did that all fly by again? Because it soon exactly. will do, won't it? Yeah. Josh, how you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm not too bad, mate. But isn't that always the way, though? It always feels like the summer is just this long, immovable object of time. And then as soon as it gets around to the winter, it just whizzes through to Christmas. I've already seen Christmas trees being sold in shops. I'm not ready yet. I'm nowhere near ready for that yet. We haven't even had kickoff. At least let us kick off. I haven't even had a pumpkin spice latte, let alone a flipping Christmas tree. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, get your priorities on, mate. Get them priorities on. Let's get into it then, fellas. Let's talk AFC North. Um, and we'll do as we have done throughout the course of these preview podcasts. And we'll start in the order that they finished in. So we'll start with the Cincinnati Bengals. You know, only won the AFC North. Obviously, went all the way to the Super Bowl. Josh, talk us through their offseason, mate. Yeah, well, um, I, I think that the first part of the off-season for the Bengals was just pinching themselves and realising that they had actually made it all the way through to the Super Bowl. I think that I'm still trying to fully calculate as to how they did it. Um, obviously, Joe Burrow came into his own fantastic quarterback play with a fantastic wide receiver set. I think I don't think that any of us quite thought that Jamar Chase would have gone for almost 1,500 yards last year, especially considering that this time last year we were told that he couldn't catch the football because it was too big. <laughs> um, yeah, remember those days? The, those were those were funny days when you consider it. But no, um, the off-season for the Bengals has been somewhat serene, as you can imagine, from a team that feels like it's got itself figured out. Um, probably their biggest uh, loss is CJ Azuma as the tight end. I thought that he did really well for them as a gadget player um, that got Joe Burrow out of a few holes, especially considering the O-line issues that they continued to have last season. Burrow still took a hell of a lot of hits last year for a team that made it all the way to the the bowl game. Um, But... Um, they have bolstered their offensive line this year. Um, Lalel Collins from the Dallas Cowboys is probably the, the headline acquisition when it comes to the Bengals' O-line. Um, they've also got the former Buccaneer Alex Kapper at guard as well. Um, Ted Karras from Miami is another one. So they've really focused on what the main issue was for them last year, which was the fact that Joe Burrow ran for his life about 14 times a game, but was still able to come up with the goods. Um, 
in terms of the draft, obviously they were drafting incredibly late. They were able to pick up uh, Dax Hill, defensive back. Yeah, relatively serene draft for them. And to be honest, I think the Bengals fans are just very happy as to where they're at, where they are at the moment. You know, they have a very good young side with a lot of talent, especially on the offensive side of the ball. The defensive is capable um and it's definitely able to play for that offense as well i think it can turn up at times where they probably you know on paper look to be down and out but then they actually um pick it up but when you look at the offensive weapons as long as the bengals can put up over 30 points a game they've always got more than a good chance of winning winning the odd game the main thing of which we'll see them trip up this year is just potentially luck more than anything else. So I was a massive proponent last year, as you both know, that the Cincinnati Bengals were the luckiest franchise in probably the last decade when it came to, first of all, injury luck. They had practically no injuries whatsoever. Um, Teams around them had massive injuries. So the Baltimore Ravens was practically all on IR at one point last year. The Browns, obviously, with Mayfield's injury, um, fell off a cliff. And the Pittsburgh Steelers, Big Ben was essentially a constant injury, but they just decided to put him out on the field. So, you know, realistically, the Bengals are going to be going out to show that it was no fluke. And obviously, that's pretty much exactly what you think of when in this this is a this is a statement year for them. If last year was more of a fairy tale year. Um, there's nothing to stop them from from repeating going for another deep run in the playoffs, but there's there's definitely question marks as well as to whether or not last year was just a fairy tale. Yeah, Steve, what's your view on them? Obviously, like you say, it was um, a bit of a fairy tale season last year. I mean, at points last year, there was debates over whether or not that Zach Taylor was the right person to lead the franchise. Obviously, takes them all the way to the Super Bowl, gets a contract extension. Um, it does seem like a real Cinderella story. Obviously, there's always a chance that the, the sort of second season syndrome, for want of a better phrase, will kick in. How do you see it going? Do you think they're equipped to repeat or do you think they'll have a bit of a, a, a step back down? And what's interesting about the Bengals is that you, you, a lot of people, you sort of think, oh, yeah, it was the Bengals in the Super Bowl. You sort of forget that they won the <laughs> AFC Championship. Like, yeah. you know, they, they were such, an, uh, such a, a dark horse, like, you know, out of the blue came up. And I don't think anyone would have picked the Bengals to be doing that well that quickly. Obviously, we all know Joe Burrow's talented. Jamar Chase obviously lit up the, the field, as you said, Josh. But I don't think anyone expected them to be that good. And I think when they made the playoffs... Um, I think most people had them as either first-round exits or maybe they'd win one and then be out. I don't think anyone expected them to beat the Chiefs. And then, you know, they went to the Super Bowl and gave a good go of it. You know, they they were definitely in the game. Um, And so because of that, they should be, you know, high on a lot of teams' crosshairs. You know, they should be really sort of teams gunning to to chase them down. But they still seem underrated. Like, you you, you sort of look around the league and I think a lot of people probably still aren't sort of backing the Bengals to be... You know the, the the team to beat in the AFC when in theory, you know, technically that's what they are. They are the reigning AFC champions. Um, you know, they, I think the Bengals have only gotten better this off season. They've um, they've done what they needed to do in protecting Joe Burrow, like you said, Josh. They've added to that line. Alex Kappa, Ted Karras, Lel Collins. I think was an important addition. I don't think they expected him to come to be available. Mm. He wasn't. They picked him up, and uh, you know, an important important position to to shore up. Um, 
to protect Burrow. Um, you know, Chase needs to have another season like he did. T. Higgins needs to have another season like he did. Um, you know, they've they've got weapons that that all everyone played well last season. I think that's what that's what needs to happen when you go on a Super Bowl run. Everything needs to sort of slot into place, and if things dominoes just need to fall in places to make it work. And sometimes you just need that bit of luck, and it's very very difficult to to do that again. Um, you know, I think there's there's obviously still questions around Jesse Bates, and, and you know he's he signed his tag, so he's now going to play on his franchise tag. I, I can understand why the Bengals are reluctant to pay him because it's not such an important position in the NFL anymore. Um, if it ever was, you know, do you really want eighteen million dollars a year cap every year being paid to a safety? You know, probably not. You'd rather you know focus that money, especially nowadays when they're going to have to pay Joe Burrow forty five million pounds a season soon enough. So you know, do they want to? take up that cap space for a safety he's a good player but how much do you rate that position um so the you know the Bengals are in an interesting situation where Jamar Chase is going to have to repeat Joe Mixon's going to have to have another good season T Higgins going to have another good season they got to rely on Joe Burrow not going down again you know don't forget he had that horrible horrible injury a couple of years ago completely destroyed his knee and he came back and he played out of his skin in his return year so you've got to make sure that he's not doing that again um, and having any sort of injury, so it's an it's an interesting year for Cincinnati. There'll be you know there'll be teams gunning for them in their own division, let alone in their own conference. Um, and it'll be intriguing to see if they can be as good as they were last year. Yeah, like you say, there was a lot of key free agents that made a big impact last year. Um, you know, can they repeat and go on the same kind of run that they had this year? We mentioned Joe Burrow, Josh. Any concerns around the appendicitis issue? I mean, obviously, there's still a bit of question mark as to whether he's actually going to be fully healthy and fit to start the season. The Bengals aren't going to be able to afford to have him missing for too much time. No, um, I've not seen anything of which would suggest that he's not going to be starting. Um, in fact, a lot of the a lot a lot of the words which have been banded around is just that. You know the whole thing which happened with that just shows his mental, uh, mental fortitude, and his uh, willingness to, um, to to be able to go around despite the pain. But you know, obviously, it's it's something which should still be of concern. Is that you know, Jobo seems to have medical issues pop up left, right, and center. Um, so obviously this one's not exactly one of which is enforced by any kind of O-line player or anything like that, unless we can somehow <laughs> find a way that pass rush affects appendix appendixes. But, um, you know, there's, I, I think that there's always that element, especially while the O-line was not at the level it was, um, I think that this year that will be less of a concern. It'll be more about whether or not they can produce on the field again. Yeah, it'll be interesting season, like you say, certainly a team that divides opinion, I think it's fair to say. I mean, if you just look at mm. the full 10-yard season guide that hopefully has hit most people's doors this week, if you brought a physical copy, thank you very much indeed. You can still get your digital ones. We'll plug that at the end of the show. But the win total for the season for the Bengals sits at nine and a half. Adam, who runs the betting side of full 10 yards, massive Bengals fan, he actually says to recommend taking the under on that. So there you go, even a, a sort of Bengals fan. You know, it's a really tough division. Um, the schedule is obviously really difficult because of winning the division last year. You know, the games that they've got to play outside of the division are obviously much tougher. Um, so there's a lot for the Bengals to be able to do. 
Um, a team that finished second in the division last year, we're used to them being in and around the postseason. We're used to them having winning season after winning season, of course, is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, and a slightly strange feeling going into this season, I think, for the Steelers, in as much as it's a, certainly a new era. You know, Big Ben has eventually retired. Um, certainly it has only been a shell of his former self over the last couple of years anyway. Um, but certainly, like I say, for the first time in a long time, now Big Ben in the backfield. Um, Mitch Trubisky slated to start the season, obviously getting a second chance after his disappointing time in Chicago. Um, but Mike Tomlin continues to be, in my opinion, one of, if not the best coach in the NFL. And I would not be at all surprised to see the Steelers still come out of this season with a positive winning record, because that's just what Mike Tomlin does every single season. I think if you look at the weapons that they've got available to them, I think, you know, extending Deontay Johnson was a, was a you know, a, a, a sensible move. He's really become a focal point in the offence. Chase Claypool has got all of the tools and the attributes you'd want from a receiver. He's got the size. Um, he needs to just focus on actually, you know, producing week in and week out. I think it'll be interesting to see how he goes without the distractions of Juju Smith-Schuster, who I don't think was necessarily a great locker room fit. Um, and obviously, there's a lot of excitement around George Pickens. Um, so, certainly plenty of weapons there. I think Najee Harris had a reasonably decent rookie season, um, although the offensive line you know, didn't really open up an awful lot of holes. Um, so, it'll be interesting to see how he gets on. But as always, it's the defence that's really the strength of the Steelers. Obviously, they'll be powered by TJ Watt, rightly coming off Defensive Player of the Year last year. You know, he's threatened to win it for a, a few years now, um, but certainly I think was was sort of unanimous in the, in the selection last year. Um, so he's back. Um, Cam Haywood also back on the um, defensive line. Interesting that they managed to pick up Larry Ogunjobi as well, who I think the Bengals was looking at getting back. Um, at one stage, but obviously he's ended up going to the Steelers, and that's an interesting move there. Um, you know, so you know, all across the board, you're looking at this. Obviously, Minka Fitzpatrick made the highest paid safety in the NFL. You know, we just had the conversation around Jesse Bates and how much do you actually want to pay a safety? Well, the Steelers haven't uh, minded, you know, plucking up the cash when it comes to Minka Fitzpatrick. Um, so, again, it's a difficult team to position, really, because if you look at it all from a statistical point of view, again, the line is at seven and a half wins. You know, so that would be, in theory, if that does happen, the first ever time that Mike Tomlin had a losing season. But you can't help but feel that, like I say, just because they do it week in and week out and year in and year out, that the Steelers will still probably outperform expectations. Steve, your view on the Steelers? I think you've nailed it, really, there. I love their defense. I think their defense is excellent. It's sort of like you said, it's gone under the radar. I think um, you one you didn't mention was the pickup of Miles Jack out of Jacksonville. I think that was a really interesting pickup, and I think he'll shore up that uh, middle of the field, that sort of linebacker role. Alex Highsmith's, uh, you know, showed some real promise, and, and and he looks to be settling into that defense as well. Um, and I think that defense will win them games. You know that that defensive front you talked about, TJ Watt, Ogunjobi, uh, Cam Haywood, you know. That's a that's a monstrous attack coming at any quarterback. Um, so I think I think the defense could definitely win them games. I think the defense is underrated, and obviously all the talk in Pittsburgh this off season has been around the quarterback. And now you know Big Ben's finally gone, and who's it going to be? Is it going to be Mitch Trubisky? Is it going to be Mason Rudolph? Is it going to be even first round first round pick um, Kenny Pickett? Um, 
but um, it's I've, I've I've just read that apparently the depth chart has been released today, and apparently it is going to be Mitch Trubisky. Um, so it is oh yeah, be he's Trubisky. been made a captain. He was made yeah, a captain so ten gonna, minutes ago, apparently. Yeah, so it's going to be Trubisky's job, and like you say, it's a, it's a chance for him to redeem himself because he showed promise. Um, you know, in, in, in Buffalo when he had his opportunity to. Um, is he a starting caliber quarterback? I think probably not. Are they keeping the seat warm to see what Kenny Pickett could do maybe next year? Probably. Um, but there's obviously going to be a big, a big sort of black hole there in terms of you know the reliability, maybe not in the last couple of years, certainly the reliability that Big Ben offered through the through the um through his earlier years. I I I'm, I think I I'd have to avoid trying to get too wax lyrical about George Pickens. Um, I think that was a steal uh, in the second round. I think he was the potential to be one of the best receivers in the draft. Um, I love his size. I love his, his his sort of ability to go up and get the ball. And, and he, he, the the people that follow the Steelers have said that he's had a really good camp. Um, so I think he could be one to watch in, in Pittsburgh. Um, I think if we've we've talked about Mike Tomlin before, we've all made our opinions very clear, and you know he's one of if not certainly top three coaches in the NFL. The guy's a machine and the ability, the, the amount that he's able to get from, from what has been like limited teams over the years is incredible. And I think this is the closest he will come to having a losing season. I think this is going to, they're going to be real close just because of how that quarterback player works out. Because if Trubisky's, you know, Chicago Trubisky, then, you know, you don't, you don't look at Mason Rudolph and think, yeah, you're the answer. And it could come round to Kenny Pickett real quick. Um, so, yeah, interesting in Pittsburgh. It all depends on how Trubisky works out, but that defence will win them games. Yeah, what's your view, Josh? You're certainly on the, the offensive side, of it, you know, in terms of Kenny Pickett. You know, they've obviously spent the first-round pick there. Um, obviously, going with Trubisky to start, though, you've got a view, I think, now that that's only going to be quite temporary, haven't you? Yeah, so just because of the way in which their schedule sort of has them, um, it's quite a difficult schedule to start off with. So it gives the Steelers a really perfect out if they want to um, switch things up around their bye week. They've got a week nine bye week, but until then, and I'll read out the schedule, um, at Bengals, then New England, at the Browns, Jets, at the Bills, Tampa, at the Finns, at the Eagles. You know that's that's pretty that, that's a pretty tough schedule to go through for your first eight, and Trubisky. You know the the only time that Trubisky showed real promise was on that Bears playoff team of which they scraped in, and they really they only scraped in because of the fact that the NFC was so poor um, that they were able to get a wild card slot, and they were duly thrashed in the wild card game thereafter. Um, even though Mitch Trubisky then won the Nickelodeon Valuable Player or whatever it was called, the MVP, <laughs> because everyone loves a sarcastic vote during the MVP. Um, yeah, so I think that there is a, a really good chance that you'll see Pickett towards the back end of this season. I believe that Pittsburgh see this as their rebuilding year but this is not a rebuild in what we know it to be with other teams where it could be a number of years of only getting four wins this is going to be a one time only seven ish wins you know i i could easily still see them winning something along the lines of six to eight wins i don't think they'll get to nine um just because of the qb play um, but that's nothing on this team. This team is very strong still. It just needs that piece to make it work. 
Yeah, like you say, it's a difficult team to ever write um, off. You know, I think people have done that in the past and obviously have been made to look a little bit stupid. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they fare this time around. Let's get into the Cleveland Browns they make. Man, you may as well take this between us, I suppose. been a quiet off-season in Cleveland, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, just, just, just the quiet one. Nothing happened at all. We can probably just move on to the uh, Ravens, mate, to be quite honest. Sounds good to me. <laughs> Sounds good. Now, we've talked about it enough, haven't we? It's, um, it's obviously been an off-season, obviously dominated by the trade for Deshaun Watson um, and then the subsequent suspension and and you know sort of legal and the subsequent further suspension <laughs> yeah exactly it's obviously been settled now though in 11 games um so scheduled to return to the browns ironically in a game against the houston texans um just poetic that that would be the way that it worked out obviously but obviously in the in the meantime take the watson thing to one side the browns have moved on from Jarvis Landry, moved on from RBJ during last season. So that sort of dream pairing that was sort of billed as that when it was put together that never really materialised has gone. Amari Cooper comes in as, as probably one of the best bits of business in the off-season for a fifth-round pick. Certainly when you look at some of the other trades and some of the other money that's been spent on the wide receiver position, that could end up being a really sound piece of business. Resigned David Njoku... Yeah, it was probably the best trade of the year, really, when you look at it from a straight-up objective player-for-value pick-up. Pick you know, Dallas had their pants pulled down with that one, really. Yeah, it was a salary was a cap dump, wasn't it? Yeah, it was just yeah, a case of team really numbers in Dallas, wasn't it? But yeah, the Browns obviously benefit from that. Um, just saying, re-sign David Njoku, he's apparently going to become a real focal point of the offence after they moved on from Austin Hooper. Um in terms of the, the rest of the team, Jadavian Clowney returns. Still an awful lot of issues, I think it's safe to say, in the defensive line in terms of the interior. Um, so that will be an interesting position to, to take note of. But obviously with the Deshaun Watson suspension, um, Jacoby Brissett due to line up for the first 11 games of the season. Obviously doesn't fill Browns fans with an awful lot of Positivity, let's be honest. He's been nothing more than a game manager wherever he's been. Went five and six in 11 games for the Dolphins last year. Um, and I think it's safe to say he probably hasn't played any decent football in about four years. His probably first year at Indianapolis was probably as good as it's been for Jacoby Brissett. It's been a bit of a downward spiral since then. Um, so overall, again, a team that certainly disappointed last year. Um, you know, off the back of the first playoff appearance in years to then end up being third in the division. Yes, there were obviously a lot of reasons behind that in terms of the injury that Baker Mayfield suffered and then ultimately played through throughout the course of the season. But it was certainly a year of regression. Another really difficult team to really get a handle on because the pieces are still there on the roster for this to be a good side. But on the flip side of that, you could also see it being a season where the Browns only end up with five or six wins based on the poor quarterback play that you're probably expecting, certainly for the first 11 weeks. And let's not pretend that when Deshaun Watson comes back that he's just magically going to be able to, to turn it on. He won't have played football in the best part of, would it be three years by the time he comes back? Um, It'll be two, two years. years. Yeah, I think it's um, 23 months 
to yeah, be exact. So it's an awful long time for him to have not played anything, you know. So realistically, you know, are the last six games as much as anything going to be a bit of an extension of a training camp for Deshaun Watson type of thing? Um, so difficult one to pin down. Steve, I'm going to come to you as the neutral on this to get your view on it, mate. Because like I so say, for me, I'm, I mean, again, the over unders at eight and a half, which really just sums it up, doesn't it? I don't think anybody can really figure out how good the Browns will or won't be. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, there's obviously one obvious storyline in Cleveland that we've we've took, you know, we've, you've touched on there, but you guys have discussed that plenty, and I'm sure you, you know, you'd rather not spend any more time discussing it now, so we won't. But um, I think away from that, there's been actually quite a lot of turnover in Cleveland this year. Um, you know, because it's dominated so much of the press, there's been a lot of turnover that's probably gone under the radar a little bit. Mm. You know. Um, you know, you look at the, some of the departures that have, have left Cleveland this offseason. You've mentioned a few of them. Case Keenum, Baker Mayfield, Rashad Higgins, Jarvis Landry, Austin Hooper, Jesse Tretter, Takaris McKinley, Malik Jackson, Malcolm Smith, Troy Hill. You know, a lot of players that have gone that would probably be in starters or, or on the fringe of starting players. And uh, what intrigues me is that wide receiver room. You mentioned, obviously, Landry and OBJ are now gone out the building. Interesting trade for Amari Cooper. I agree that it was a you know, really good value trade. Obviously, Dallas was trying to dump off his salary. Um, I don't know if he's necessarily as good as he was way back, you know, well, feels like way back. He's still quite young, but um, be interesting to see how he does in a new system and a new new um, team. You know, you're going to rely on Donovan Peoples-Jones quite a lot, maybe someone like um, Anthony Schwartz and, and certainly tight, tight end and joker, like you said. Um, but it, you cannot look past the fact that that you're going to be without Watson for 11 weeks. You know, you see, you know, everything off the field and the trade aside, he's still, if you believe his 2020 form and, and previous, he's still an exceptional football player. Um, if he comes back to that, of, of course, um, certainly that in, in, in asterisk, shall we say. Um, and without him, that's a massive, massive loss. Um, and so can the Browns keep it alive until he comes back in week 11 and then hope that he sort of turns it on? Um, you know, there'll be a lot of miles left in those legs if he can. And, you know, if you could be in a position where you could get to the playoffs, even if it's like a seventh seed, you know, Watson will be Watson will be 10 games lighter than everyone else in the league. So that's one thing you potentially yeah. got going for you. Um, I I think with, with, with Cleveland, there was just so many injury issues last year. Like you look at someone like, for example, like uh, Grant Delpit, who just cannot stay healthy. Um, you know, obviously Baker Mayfield's out the window and out the door now, but again, couldn't stay healthy. Um, you know, I think they've just got to sort out some of those injury issues and if they can keep players on the field. Again, Cleveland's another one of these teams where the defence will win you games. Miles Garrett and Jedevon Clowney, that's a pretty good, you know, one-two punch in terms of, of, of rushing the passer. You know, that linebacker room is excellent. I think JLK was a pickup that no one really expected in Cleveland and then he dropped, fell to you. And he's, you know, he's, he's shown that he's an excellent, excellent linebacker. And I think that linebacker position is is, is a low-key position of strength in Cleveland. Yeah. Um, but you just got to look at the, the schedule. The schedule's tough, um, especially those first, you know, you, you've obviously got a buy in those 11 games, so he only missed, technically misses 10 games, but the 10th game that he misses is, is um, is it Buffalo? Yeah, no, Tampa. He meet, so he yeah, he, he misses Tampa, Tampa and Buffalo, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, it's, it, it's, um, those are two tough games to be without your, without your yeah. star quarterback. Um, and it's just going to be whether or not they can stay afloat. You know, if, if, if by week, week 12 it'll be um if if cleveland could be around 500 
And then you've got a, a fairly decent run in Houston, Cincinnati, Baltimore, New Orleans, Washington, Pittsburgh. You know, I think there's three wins there easy. And then it's just about how you perform in the divisional games against Cincinnati, Baltimore, and Pittsburgh. What Cleveland have to be prepared for is I think last year they had an opportunity to seize the division. They didn't. Um, and this yeah. year there's going to be three teams that are going to be retooled. We haven't even talked about Baltimore yet, but they're going to be retooled in a big, big way. Cincinnati, obviously, are defending AFC championships. Champions, and we've just talked about Pittsburgh and and, and Mike Tomlin, and and you know you guys, you don't need me to tell you how much you, you guys detest Pittsburgh for all the stuff that Tomlin's <laughs> done to you guys over the years, and it's just the way that it is. Sometimes some teams just have your number, don't they? So, yeah, it's um, I think there's room for optimism, but I can certainly understand how you'd be disappointed going into this year. Yeah, most definitely. I apologise in advance, by the way, to everybody listening if uh, the audio is terrible, but the heavens have absolutely opened up here and it's like <laughs> a monsoon outside and it's just flashing thunder and lightning. So apologies if there's any rumbles of thunder or lots of heavy raindrops on the audio. Josh, I will, um, I'll come to you, mate, for your overall view on the Browns and what you reckon the, uh, the season pans out to be. Yeah, I'm just going to shut my window as well, just in case you can hear yeah. some uh, some rain outside my window as well. I'm only about five or six miles away from Sean, and we've got the exact same issues here. I think that Steve's actually um, hit it pretty on the head. There is there is cautious there is cautious optimism if you look for it. Um, you know, it's going to be all about the start though. The Browns need to be prepared to win ugly, and they need to be prepared to win ugly from the get-go you know they've got carolina the jets pittsburgh and atlanta for their first four games realistically if they've got any any aspirations they should be winning three to four of those first four games if they've got any chance really and of they moving could on forward. they really could and they could they really they, they really yeah. can and you know let's let's not let's not kid ourselves brissette was starting games over the last few years and he was also getting wins it's not impossible for that to happen they've got a fantastic defense really when you look at it on paper it takes a while for them to get going but hopefully joe woods now which would be his um i can't remember if it's second or third year in the system but he should now have those guys pretty much unlocked there's not too much change going on in the defensive side it's mainly been the offensive side that's in the most um starter turnover and then, you know, it's about nicking the odd win where you can, you know, the Patriots, for example, you know, their their roster is no better than the Browns. That's that's a potential, especially if you can win on the ground. Um, there's a couple of other ones in that realistically, it's you know, the Bengals, we have the Bengals number every year. Um, you know, it it seems a bit of a mismatch, especially from an offensive weapons perspective. But, you know, it was the same last year, pretty much. You know, he had a banged up Mayfield playing in that game as well. So, you know, there, there is there is room for optimism if you choose to take it. Um, I think that um, we as Brown fa- Browns fans choose pessimism as a protective blanket. But, you know, it's it's definitely there for the taking. And and what one thing we haven't even mentioned yet, what do you do in an offense when you don't have too much faith in your quarterback? You run the ball. And Cleveland's yeah. running back room is excellent and in one of the best in the league. You know, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt is an excellent one-two punch. And then Dearness Johnson had flashes last year of being really, really reliable as well. So, you know, yeah. that's another reason to be to be optimistic because that running Absolutely. back room is excellent. But what I would say to you guys as Cleveland fans, who would you rather have as your starting quarterback? Would you rather have Jacoby Brissett or would you rather have Mitch Trubisky? 
Oh, that's a very good question. That's a very because good question. because I think that Pittsburgh and Cleveland's rosters, if you take the quarterback away, are very similar. They're very yeah. very mm. similar rosters, mm. and it's a case of you know you're going to have Jacoby Brissett probably for the first eleven games. Cle- uh, Pittsburgh are rolling with Mitch Trubisky until something goes wrong. So who would you rather have? Would you rather Trubisky or would you have Brissett? Mm, yeah, very not, similar not players. Be- yeah, not being a homer here, but I think that Brissett's shown more in his time in the league. So I'd pick Brissett on that. I don't think Trubisky's shown enough at this point. It's a really interesting question. Really interesting question. Um, I think I think realistically, like you said, the, the thing for me that just disappoints me when I look at Brissett is just, it's just that lack of yardage that comes with it. Um, you know, he struggles to get above 200 yards most games, you know, so... Look, it, let's face it, Cleveland, whether we like it or we dislike it, and you know, it took a lot of soul searching and having to come to terms with it. They've gambled the future on the quarterback trade. The first eleven games we need to hope as Browns fans that we are six and five or around that mark, yeah. so that realistically the last six games have got something riding on them. Um, it'll be interesting to see if we get that far. Let's um, move on to the team that finished fourth in the division, but for me, the strongest team in the division. Um, Steve, you're going to take us through the Baltimore Ravens. I'm indeed, yes. I think that the Ravens are an underrated team this year because of how much they fell apart last year due to injury. You know, we all remember at one point, I think all three running backs were on IR. Like, they they lost so many players. I think their entire secondary as well. Like, they had such horrible injury luck last year that I think they just they just sort of wrote off the season. They still finished eight and nine. Like, they still had a fairly respectable finish in terms of, of where they ended up and and... You know, they're, they're, they're retooling, but not because they've signed loads of players, but because they've just got so many coming back from injury. It's such a weird situation to be in. You know, Lamar Jackson couldn't really stay on the field last year. You know, they had periods of it, you know, where they had so many people on on IR that they were struggling to, to get a full sort of team together because there was people playing positions that, you know, otherwise would have been third choice and perhaps wouldn't have even been dressing on game day had, uh, had all the starters been available. So, you know, the... Um, the Ravens are going to be thankful um, just to improve from from receiving those reinforcements coming back, and and it's how the, I think the big question is going to be how Baltimore's adjusts offensively with all of those people coming back and losing um, Marquise Brown. Obviously, they traded away Brown to um, to Arizona uh, for a, for a first round pick, um, and I think uh, you know they're they're going to be looking now at Rashad Bateman, Devin Duvernay, the second round. Um, Second year, he's going to have a big role to play in this offense if they're going to throw the ball. Um, you know, Mark Andrews will be there. He's always there. He's one of the most reliable tight ends in the league. Um, but what I really love about what Baltimore did this offseason is, you know, they had all of these players coming back from injury. They could have added a lot of free agents, and they did. They did stock up with a couple. I think, obviously, you've got Marcus Williams coming in, which is which is a hell of a signing, and that's a really, really big signing for for. Um, for Baltimore, you know, that's that's one of the best free agents on the market and they managed to lock him up um, in Baltimore. And um, But what's, well, I think what's more important with, with Baltimore is their draft. You know, they had the 14th pick, um, which they, they took Kyle Hamilton, who's a safety. Um, I think a lot of people, we've talked about the safety position and how much it's probably not as important in the NFL these days. Um, and I think a lot of people would say, if you just looked at Kyle Hamilton as a player, forget about his position, but as a player and what he brings to your team, he was a top 10 pick. And if not higher than that, like he was a real, real talent. The fact that he fell to 14 
you know, the, the the Ravens were, yep, thank you, we'll take him. He's an excellent, excellent piece, and he'll be one of their starting safeties for the next 10 years. Like, he's such a good player. Um, I think the Ravens were banking on um, um, on Jordan Davis, 14, 14, but the Eagles traded up and picked them to him. So they'll be happy to just uh, pick up Kyle Hamilton. And then they traded with Arizona. They then managed to pick up um, Tyler Linderbaum, who was the the, the first-choice centre for most teams. And you know, plug that in, plug that guy in, and he's just starting center, one of the most important positions on the line again for the next 10 years. Um, you know, they took a flyer in the second round on David Ajabo, who's the edge out of Michigan, who I think he tore his Achilles, didn't he? Like right, right at the end of last season. So injured player, always a question mark around taking an injured player in a draft because you just never know how they're gonna come back. The Eagles have done it plenty and it's not worked out. Um, but he was he was excellent before he went down, and he would have been a first rounder, no doubt, probably sort of top. 10 15 if he hadn't gone down injured um, and they just drafted really well a lot of people a lot of people around the league so a lot of sort of um league analysts were saying that the ravens have the best draft in the league you know they, they added such good players in their draft um and if you look at that combined with a couple of the the sort of um free agents they picked up they've they've retooled and restocked really really well and i think they've they've easily got the best chance to go from worst to first this year um obviously a lot of it relies on lamar jackson we keep seeing quarterback dominoes falling in terms of contracts you know we saw the uh, the um kyla murray one drop that we we talked about a couple of weeks ago with his cod rankings and all that sort of stuff um you know we've seen a couple of a couple of quarterback dominoes fall this this offseason and the next one has to be Lamar Lamar has to be the next one that falls and it, you know there was talk that it was that it was gonna go uh, it was getting a bit awkward and it you know no one really knew what was happening but still no resolution in sight and you know you, do you see a situation where where Baltimore haven't got Kyler uh, haven't got Lamar Jackson the centre? Probably not. But do they want to pay him, you know, forty-five million dollars a year, which is the going rate for a top quarterback these days? Is he is he good enough? Do they believe he's good enough to to get them to the to the upper echelon in a league which is predominantly a throwing league these days anyway? So and to guarantee of, that money. Yeah, well, exactly. You know, there's so much guaranteed money. You know, look at Russell Wilson's extension. There's something like 165 million dollars guaranteed over the next seven years. I think it was. You know, it's yeah. it's it, 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 and, and Russell Wilson's 33. Lamar Jackson's what 23, and you know he's they could tie about. You know, I think with the with the contract situations with the quarterback. Do you remember when um, uh, when Kansas City locked up? Um, why am I forgetting Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, thank you. When Kansas City locked up Patrick Mahomes for 10 years, we were all thinking, wow, that's a crazy number. But now yeah, it was like a baseball like, contract, and yeah, now it's actually, just a really shrewd bit of business. Yeah. Now it's looking like a really good deal because these quarterback numbers are going through the through the roof. And I think Lamar will be the next one to be paid. But yeah, the, you know, the, looking at Baltimore and, and their depth chart, if they can get these players back and not have as bad injury luck as they had last year, you know, you look at that. That secondary stands out for me. You've got Chuck Clark and Marcus Williams, probably the best safety pairing in the league with Carl Hamilton to, to come off the bench if either one of them goes down. And then you've got Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey as cornerbacks. So, you know, that's a pretty awesome backfield, that is. I think the story of the uh, the story of the FC North is defence. And I think, you know, they're, they're going to be uh, looking to compete with the likes of the of the Steelers and the Bengals and the Browns in terms of stopping that the, the air raid offences that we see so often, especially on the FC. So, yeah, Baltimore are a bit my sort of dark horses at the moment. I think they've they've got a real chance to uh, to make it stick this year if they can if they can ride some of that injury luck. 
Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think I've made my feelings on them very clear. I think just to, in terms of the Mar question that you pose, I think it's an interesting one because they've done so much to set this team up and this scheme up to suit him. You know, you look at the wide receiver call on the depth chart, it doesn't jump off the page. That's deliberate because it's not a huge part of the offence. Um, you know, it'd be very interesting to see the direction that they go because this isn't the kind of team that, you know, you're just going to get a quarterback to come in and pick up what Lamar Jackson does. You know, he's very, very unique in what he does and the way that he delivers it. Um, so it will be very interesting to see. I do think that the the guaranteed money on Deshaun Watson's contract plays a big part in this. Um, and whether that was something that the Browns deliberately did, who knows? I really um, hope it was. I, I because it would it would make it would make the saga at least two percent more bearable. And look, realistically, you know, you're talking crazy money, whichever way you try and cut it up, aren't you? But you know. 170-odd million guaranteed, as you said, for Russell Wilson, 230 guaranteed for Deshaun Watson. You know, like you said, Lamar Jackson, he's going to want somewhere in, in and around those numbers, isn't he? He's going to want something in and around that. Josh, your view on the um, Ravens, mate, just to round us off? Yeah, I, I actually wouldn't even say dark horse. Literally, as soon as Week 18 finished last year, I, I remember saying to you, Sean, Ravens to win the division next year, book it, because... They, the entire roster was on IR. They have the um, one of the easiest schedules going in the NFL now by having that fourth place ranking. I really wanted us to bottle that game against the Bengals so that we would have had it because even the drop-off from third to fourth is noticeable. Um, I, I actually have the Ravens as double digits quite easily, um, maybe like 11 wins, uh, 10 to 11 wins without too much issue um their lines nine and a half um just just think of the ravens two years ago it's what you're getting back maybe with a couple of um better weapons as well and like you say that defense isn't exactly going anywhere anywhere anytime soon so um yeah ravens by far the favorite for me i think they're the runaway favorite and the rest of the uh, rest of the division is looking for the wild card spots yeah. yeah, hard to disagree with that. I think they are four very evenly matched teams, though, is what I would say. It's another one of those divisions that is extremely competitive um, and at risk of stating the obvious, those games against each other will be absolutely crucial. I think if any one of the teams can come out of that with a four and two or five and one record, it'll put them into a really, really, really strong position. That's all the divisions, boys. It took us a few weeks, but we've got there in the end. Um, my thanks to you two in particular, because I've had some time away and all that kind of stuff, but we've got through them collectively. Um, so if you've missed any of the preview pods, you can go and check them out on our feed, um, wherever you get your podcasts from. Um, and you can still get your hands on a digital copy of the full 10 yards season guide. So if you want to get our thoughts in written format, absolutely fantastic um, guide that we've produced this year. 168 pages of brilliance, if I do say so, my biased self. You can get it at full10yards.co.uk forward slash guides. Um, use the code full10 for 10% off and you'll get a digital copy for £4.50. Get that in time for kickoff on Thursday. I believe there are actually a couple of physical ones left as well, if anyone decides that they fancy a physical one. Josh, you got three or four under your bed, mate. Is that right? 
I do, yes, three or four. They could really use a good home, but if I don't get rid of them by the end of the week, then I think that some of the people around here will end up gobbling them up. So don't don't let these guys do it. They've they've been lazy and dumb bugger all. Take them yourself. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, but yeah, absolutely get your hands on it. Uh, we're really proud of it. A lot of hard work got into it, and um, yeah, it'll stand up against anything that you can buy elsewhere. You can guarantee that, fellas. It's been a pleasure. We'll be back later on in the week to have a quick look at week one before we get into our regular season program of reviewing all the games. So that's what our Monday nights will be moving forward. We'll be looking back and reviewing all the action that has gone down. Uh, but I think it's week one. We just want to have a quick uh, get-together, have a preview of some of the upcoming games, maybe a few sort of out-there predictions in terms of what we think might happen during the course of the season. But that wraps up the preview pods. Well, thanks to Josh and Steve, and we will see you very soon. <laughs>